Welcome to our podcast on the 988 Suicide and Crisis Hotline. I'm Ron Legrand, Policy Director with the National Criminal Justice Association. The National Criminal Justice Association, NCJA, is a 501c3, not-for-profit, nonpartisan membership association dedicated to assisting criminal justice agencies in the development and implementation of effective criminal justice policy. Our members represent all facets of the criminal and juvenile justice community, including law enforcement, corrections, prosecution, defense, courts, victim and witness services, and academics, as well as elected officials. We're co-hosting this podcast with our friends from the Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute and the National Alliance on Mental Illness. John Snook from Meadows and Shannon Scully from NAMI are here with me today. And let me share a little bit of their professional backgrounds. Shannon Scully is the Senior Advisor for Justice and Crisis Response Policy at NAMI, where she serves as a subject matter expert providing strategic guidance across the organization regarding NAMI's criminal justice, diversion, and crisis response policy. She works closely with key federal agencies and Congress to advance NAMI's priorities and supports leaders across the NAMI Alliance to increase their impact on local and state policies. Prior to joining NAMI, Ms. Scully worked for several other national nonprofit organizations on various justice-related issues. She began her criminal justice career supporting victims of crime in the county courts in Cook County, Illinois. Shannon holds a bachelor's degree from the College of St. Benedict and a master of public policy from American University. John Snook is a nationally recognized expert on the criminalization of those with behavioral health needs with nearly 20 years of mental health and substance use disorder policy experience at the local, state, and national levels. Prior to joining the Meadows Institute, John led federal government relations for the National Association for Behavioral Healthcare, that's NABH, representing the interests of provider systems that treat children, adolescents, and adults with mental health and substance use disorders. Before NABH, John served as executive director of the Treatment Advocacy Center now recognized as one of the United States' most influential mental health advocacy organizations. Under his leadership, one-third of states made substantial reforms to their mental health treatment laws with the center's support. And he contributed to the center's increasing influence in the mainstream of mental health and substance use disorder policy nationally. In 2017, John was appointed to serve as one of 14 non-federal national experts on the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Interdepartmental Serious Mental Illness Coordinating Committee. In his role with the Meadows Institute, John helps lead the Institute's work on national policy issues as they affect Texas, with a particular focus on the transformation of crisis response and the intersection of the justice and health systems. He also works closely with John Petrilla 
and other institute leaders on the design and implementation of the Institute's Center for Justice and Health. John received his law degree from the George Mason School of Law and his Bachelor of Arts degree from Washington and Jefferson College. John and Shannon, thanks for being here. Now, before we dig into 988, could you tell us a bit more about NAMI and Meadows? Absolutely, and thanks for having us, Ron. Uh, NAMI is the nation's largest grassroots mental health organization representing people with mental illness and their families. As an organization and an alliance, we envision a world where all people affected by mental illness live healthy, fulfilling lives supported by communities that care. We do this through our work with our over 49 state organizations and over 600 affiliate organizations. Together, we serve our communities by providing education, support, and engaging in advocacy and public awareness. John? Thanks, Ron. The Meadows Mental Health Policy Institute provides independent, nonpartisan, and data-driven policy and program guidance that creates equitable systems change so that Texans and people all over the country can obtain effective, efficient behavioral health care when and where they need it. Thanks for all that background. NAMI and Meadows do phenomenal work, and we appreciate our partnership with you all on so many critical issues. One of those important pieces is 988, the topic we're going to focus on for this podcast series. Yes, it's a series. Here's why. We know everyone who has clicked on the link to listen to this podcast is busy. So instead of doing one long podcast on the ins and outs of 988, where you have to remember the timestamp on the pieces you want to go back to or listen to information you might already know just to get to new details you need to know, we thought it would be most beneficial to our listeners to break it into bite-sized pieces. We hope you'll ride along with us as we share what we're referring to as a Reader's Digest of 988. While you're walking the dog, you can listen to this overview of 988. While you're running to the next meeting, you can learn about what happened on July 16th. It's a big day. You can't miss that session. While you're folding the laundry, you can get seven minutes on how 988 is funded. And when you want more details, you can call us. That's the biggest takeaway. We want to be a resource. We want to make sure we are working together to improve our response to those in crisis. Shannon and John, what do you think? Are you in? Sounds great. Great. Thank you. First things first. Shannon, what is 988? It's the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, formerly known as the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's a resource that offers 24-7 call, text, and chat access to trained crisis counselors who can help people experiencing suicidal, substance use, or a mental health crisis, or any other kind of emotional distress. And Shannon, how did we get here? How did we get to 988? In 2020, Congress passed the National Suicide Hotline Designation Act. It required the Federal Communications Commission, also known as the FCC, to designate 988 as the universal telephone number for national suicide prevention and mental health crisis. And it included a provision to expand the purposes of the lifeline. Until this point, the mission of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline was suicide prevention. 
but Congress expanded that purpose to include other mental health crises that might be related to substance use or other mental health symptoms such as paranoia or delusions. This other mental health crisis category makes up a number of mental health emergencies that law enforcement and the emergency response system have been trying to address, but have never really had the right resources to do so. This helps address that gap. For our partners talking about 988, it's so important that we don't call this only a suicide lifeline, but instead refer to it as the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Thank you, Shannon. And 988 is here, right? Yes, it's live. it went live July 16, 2022. So it's been an exciting summer. John, can you share a few more details on the network, who you're being connected to when you call 988? I can't, and I have to agree, Ron. It is a really exciting moment. So the network itself, it looks a little different state to state because the system is set up on a state basis. But broadly... 988 and the Lifeline is a national network of state and local crisis centers that provide free and confidential emotional support to people who are either in suicidal crisis or emotional distress. And they provide that 24 hours a day, seven days a week throughout the United States. So the Lifeline will respond to calls, chats, text from anyone who needs support. And it connects those folks to trained crisis counselors who can address their needs. That's great. So it's not just limited to phone calls. That's critical, especially right now. America is experiencing a mental health crisis. We need tools like 988 to get people the help they need. That's right, Ron. We, we really can't stress that enough. For, for too long, our system has just been underfunded and undervalued at the end of the day. The need in our communities is not irreversible. I often say that just because there aren't mental health services available doesn't mean that people don't get sick. And so with this new lifeline, we're gonna be able to meet this challenge. We have to invest in evidence-based services like crisis intervention support that the 988 line provides, but we are moving in the direction to get people the resources they need on the ground. I know there's work to do but a 988 crisis line that is effectively resourced, we'll get to that. The resource piece requires a whole separate discussion, but if this line is effectively resourced, it will be incredibly impactful. And here's why. It will, number one, connect a person in a mental health crisis to a trained counselor who can address their immediate needs and help connect them to ongoing care. It can also reduce healthcare spending with more cost-effective early intervention. It will reduce the use of law enforcement and other emergency response resources. It will meet the growing need for crisis intervention at scale, and it will help end stigma toward those seeking or accessing mental health care. John, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I would say yes to all of the above. And one of the nice things is that we're looking forward to talking to all of those issues over the course of this series. Um, I think the one thing that that is important to understand about 988 is that the ultimate goal here isn't to replace your police force, fire, or EMS response. It's not to replace 911 either. The goal is to expand the resources that are available in our communities to provide mental health response to those in a mental health crisis. 
the reality that we've dealt with for far too long is that we've forced this onto law enforcement. We've forced them to be the primary first responder to people experiencing behavioral health crises. But the reality is that's not what law enforcement signed up for. They aren't typically trained for this sort of work. And oftentimes this sort of response isn't necessary. And so we'll often hear from law enforcement officers that say, this just doesn't make sense for me to be the one responding here. These aren't criminals. These are folks who need medical help. Why do I need to go out for these calls? We need to do it differently. And the data really backs this up. Many mental health crises can be resolved over the phone, and that saves a lot of time and resources for law enforcement. We uh, know that according to some studies that have been done, about a fifth of law enforcement officer time is spent responding to mental health crisis calls. And so we wanna make sure that we resolve those issues whenever we can without requiring law enforcement to be involved so that they can have more resources and time to do other things, to address those other calls that are more appropriate uses of their time. The mental health community, along with the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, which you'll hear us talk about a bunch on this call, and we'll call it SAMHSA, that's the federal agency that's overseeing mental health. They have a larger vision of what crisis care is gonna look like in every community. So in addition to the 988 number that we're gonna talk about, there's a goal of having mobile crisis teams and crisis stabilization centers. Someone to go out to the crisis and somewhere to go once you need help. This is the way we talk about it in shorthand. And 988 has spurred a lot of growth, but the reality is there's a lot of work to do to get from where we are today to where we need to be. And it's gonna take time and sustained effort and support from all of us to get this crisis care system to where we need it to be. And that's why we're here, to get the information out to our partners, to see how we can leverage resources and knowledge to build up these systems and to better serve our communities. Exactly. The only way we can do this is by working across systems, by bringing these cultures together, learning from each other, and leveraging the good work that's already happening in communities all across the country. Now, John, you mentioned SAMHSA. Do they oversee the Lifeline? So this is one of the, the more complicated pieces of this, but at the end of the day, yes. The Lifeline itself is administered by the nonprofit Vibrant Emotional Health. But SAMHSA, that Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration group that I mentioned earlier, they're the federal agency in charge of overseeing the Lifeline. Okay, thank you. This was a great start. I'm looking forward to more of these, Shannon and John. Absolutely. I'm excited to dig in. Looking forward to this. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And thank you for joining us, listeners. Please come back for our next session, where we'll walk through what happens when you call 988.